Welcome. Yes, it's the morning after here on 88.9 WFSE. I'm Drew. We have a four-way studio jam pack today. We have new guy Gabe. Hello, hello. We have Tubby down on the end. Uh, of course. And we have Jules making her first appearance. Hey guys, how are ya? So we have a jam-packed group here, and now we have a jam-packed show for you. This weekend, there's a lot of events going on in Edinburgh sports. And it, of course, starts with the football team. They travel to Lock Haven tonight to face the Bald Eagles tomorrow, looking to go 2-0 to start the Justin Lustig era. So, guys, this game... What are the things Edinburgh needs to do to get a win here? Well, just like last week, you got Walter Fletcher uh, stood out big time, 180 rushing yards. If he has another great game, just like he did last week, really get that rushing game down, make up for a couple interceptions by uh, quarterback, I think that's the main key for winning this game. And it's a very winnable game Mm -hmm. also, but we'll go into that a little bit later. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. Walter Fletcher needs to continue to be spectacular. They, The coaches are very high on the running back room, not just Walter Fletcher, but Kellen O'Neill has a lot of weapons as he's the running, running back coach. But Walter Fletcher's there. You also have a Rob Bell who they said to watch out for. So there, there are weapons there for the team. I, I think I agree with you. Jake Sisson uh, needs to cut down on the interceptions. The first one in last game wasn't his fault was just a better play by the cornerback but the second interception we we both said threw behind the receiver and got the interception coach has said he wants Jake to cut down on the interceptions that was a problem last year and they did squeak out a win last last week but you you can't you won't win many games with a lot of interceptions yeah and again the thing I'm going to look forward to is seeing how the uh the secondary the Edinburgh secondary can step up because this is a team in Lockhaven that likes to throw the ball, mm-hmm. and they throw it a lot. So if the secondary can, um, can step up and get some coverage in, also allow that front line to get some decent penetration, get that quarterback off of his mark, and you know, they should create. I look for probably Lieber to have maybe one or two more interceptions playing center field the way he does. Um, also, if the coverage is tight enough, Give more time for that D-line to get in there. So it'll be a sack fiesta, if you will. Yeah, this is it's going to be a, a tough uh, contest for the secondary, who we saw struggle last week at times, as they're against a quarterback who last week went 29 for 50 for 392 yards and three scores without an interception. So he has done... He did a great job last week. Granted, it was in a losing effort, but he is still a quarterback who can be dangerous. Yeah, and 50 pass attempts in a game is no joke also, so it's pretty obvious that they want to be attacking through the air pretty much all day. And Caleb Walton, their quarterback, is actually the second most, he has the second most passing yards in Lockhaven history, so it's pretty obvious they're a pass-heavy team. Yeah, just 11 yards away. Or 11 touchdown passes away from breaking the all-time mark there, too. He's second in touchdown passes. 
has 50 career. He's not going to obviously get that against Edinburgh, but that's a, a point to look out for if you're a Bald Eagles fan. So we, we talk about the, the secondary. Who You mentioned Jake Lieber, Tubby. Mm-hmm. Who else needs to step up and have a big game in this one for, for Edinburgh to be successful against the air attack that is Lock Haven? Uh, I think uh, Mitch Thomas needs to have a good game. They brought him. They brought him in on a on a couple exotic blitzes and stuff last week. I think this week though you'll see you'll find him dropping more back in coverage. I believe, and uh, they have a couple other young guys too that are in that cornerback room that really need to stick. I, I think if they if they move up and not play them off. Last week they were playing the receivers off a little bit. They were giving them more of like a five to ten yard cushion almost. I, I think if they play a little bit closer to the vest, kind of bump them at the line, mm-hmm. get those receivers off their routes, it's going to help out a lot. I, You know, I agree. I, I think we were playing about nine yards back of the receivers against St. Joseph's. It's going to be a test. It really is going to be a test for our secondary. But I think they're very well coached. I think they can step up to the challenge. Edinburgh just needs to take advantage of currently a very thin, very weak defense that Lockhaven has. That defense allowed a 40-burger last week against... PSAC opponent Clarion, so they got to be careful. Does Lockhaven about not scoring? I want to go back to um, Jake Sisson again. He needs to have a very good day. I think you know what against these type of competition where you should be able to have a good game. He he should have a good game. I mean, remember last year against a. A decent Gannon secondary, he tore them up. I want to see that Jake Sisson come back as opposed to the one that throws interceptions that really shouldn't be thrown in that area. And, I mean, 30 for 48 is not bad on a day. With uh, 234 yards he had last week, that's really not a bad day. It's just maybe getting down his incompletions a little bit, making Mm -hmm. smarter passes, dropping interceptions because that can win or lose you games, especially with an opponent like Lockhaven which should be a good game, and they're very evenly matched. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it, we're going to see. We're going to see how, how good these receivers go. There were drops last week. It was first game jitters. Hopefully those will be all gone by this this point. I mean, it was only the second game, so it's still early on in the year. But if they can cut down the drops a la, there was a couple by Alex Kiritelli. There was a couple by... Um, Gregory, the freshman. So, if you can eliminate the drops, which there were a good five or six of them throughout the game, Tubby, am I right? Yeah, and Caratelli was like his favorite, his favorite target for mm-hmm. that game. And there was a couple of close balls, a couple of contested ones. I think if he just cleans those up a little bit, gets in better position, works the hands, a little bit of time on the jugs machine, he'll be okay. 
And I think one of the unsung things for this game that, that's going to come into factor is we mentioned Mitch Thomas playing on defense, but also I think Mitch Thomas needs to have a big day in the return game. St. Joseph's held him at check pretty much for, the, for uh, that first game of the year. He did not have any good returns. They kicked away from him. So I think Lockhaven might try to do the same thing, but I think they need to get Mitch Thomas involved somehow. They need a design because they were kicking it to the up man. So mm-hmm. it was the guy before Mitch. And I think if they can get some special teams trickery, whereas if Thomas gets ahead of his team coming up from behind the up man and then the up man can kind of like toss it back or, or do like a handoff type thing to him, he should be able to get some more yards that way and he's effective because he's, he's really effective when he gets the ball. He, he cuts, um, breaks ankles out there. I just think, you know, and he's a tough runner too. I mean, he knows how to lower his shoulder and get the tough yards when he has to. But I, you, know, you got to get the bottom line. You got to get the ball in your playmaker's mm-hmm. hands. That's all there is to it. And on kickoff returns, punt returns, Mitch Thomas is that man. And you know, we don't know. Maybe we'll see Mitch Thomas on offense in this game. Coach talked about possibly over <laughs> over the uh, summer training. He talked about possibly seeing Mitch Thomas on offense. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but that would be another weapon for our offense, which I think does have a lot of weapons currently on it. Especially with receiver, I think, you know, what we had Curatelli have a good game. Granted, he did have a few drops, but I call that first game jitters. Gregory, the freshman, had a great day. And then Clark and, and Williams both had solid days. Williams had that incredible catch in the back of the end zone so I mean there are playmakers for this Edinburgh offense all around the field it's just gonna be a matter of can they convert it that and and I'm I think I think they have the ability to win this game now I'm also looking too at the the weather report drew for Lockhaven according to AccuWeather uh Saturday, it's going to be a high around 86 degrees, so it's going to be another hot and humid game like it was in Indiana. However, there's also a thunderstorm predicted in the afternoon for the area. So we may have a stoppage of play and or sloppy conditions leading into it, if it depending. Because I think, mm-hmm. what do, they, do they call it like on the, on the sound of thunder and then we go in like a 30-minute delay? Yeah. It's it well a delay would usually be thirty minutes from the last thunder that they heard. So it could be a while. So we hope that we get good weather, but it will be hot and it will probably be rainy at that game. I think you know what? I, I use this a lot and, and but I think the Erie area is more capable of dealing with any weather because we get seasons when that season shouldn't happen throughout the year here in in the Erie area here in Edinburgh so I I think you know they can deal with the humid conditions they can deal with if it gets sloppy they can deal with that kind of of stuff because they're used to it and and I think that's a, a bonus for our team granted not that I don't think Lockhaven knows how to throw a ball in the rain but I think Edinburgh, just based on where we are, we're very 
comfortable with any type of weather. Well, you don't like Edinburgh weather. Wait five minutes, it'll change. <laughs> you know, and we've done everything. Like, even spring sports playing snow sometimes. Uh, we've seen the ladies' soccer team. Playing all four seasons in one game. In one game. Went from bright, sunny, hot day to rainy to sleet to snow. Mm-hmm. And then back again. And then back. It was... <laughs> so and, and then further on the report, when I went to the hourly, I guess the thunderstorms aren't supposed to roll in until 5 p.m. So we may be done and out of there and on the bus and on the way home. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a good a good chance, but it's going to be overcast, not a whole lot of sun. It's going to be hot. I'm going to be irritable <laughs> just because I'm a big guy, a big guy in heat, especially humid heat. Dry heat's not so bad, but humid heat, that's a no bueno. Mm-hmm. Tubby not a happy camper. So I could just imagine what those guys are going to go through, you know, with all their gear on and and actually playing the game. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it could be worse. I could be down on the field trying to play the game. <laughs> now, going back to what you were saying, Drew, about this could be a winning game for mm-hmm. Edinburgh. I mean, last year, Lockhaven went 2-9. and nine. I know Edinburgh went 0-11, but Lockhaven was picked 6 in there, the East Division. And Edinburgh actually has a bit of a hot streak coming in against Lockhaven also. They haven't played since 2013, but they have a 13-game winning streak over Lockhaven. They have not lost to them since 2000, and so they're going to have a little bit of momentum going in too, especially coming in these next two weeks with Westchester and IUP coming up. They're picked to be the two best teams in each division. Mm-hmm. I think this could be a really give-me game, go 2-0, go into these next two weeks confident. Yeah, and and it's these are pretty even teams at this point. I think Edinburgh they have they've taken monstrous steps since last year since coach Lustig has got on the the campus here. But you know, I think Lockhaven has made steps too. Their their head coach David Tainer, he's in, in his second year. He had an unfortunately year last year. But he's getting his team ready and, and back here. These are two predicted to be right in the, the same area teams. And, I mean, Coach, to- Coach Lustig told us at Media Day that he doesn't really pay attention to the rankings. He doesn't really care about the rankings. But, you know what, you can't get your players not to look mm-hmm. and not to understand where teams are. I remember th- there have always been teams. There's always been jokes like, oh, you're playing that team. That's going to be a, a good win or a possible win for you. But I think looking at statistics and looking at the, um, the personnel that Edinburgh has comparatively to Lockhaven, I see this as a win for Edinburgh. So my prediction is going to be Edinburgh wins this game, and I think it's going to be a, a back-and-forth contest. I think it's going to be a, a high-scoring contest. My guess is 42-35, to 35, Edinburgh gets the victory. You know, I, I agree with you, Drew. Um, I, I believe this game is going to be a nail-biter, just like last week's, but I have faith in our Edinburgh football, and I believe we're going to come out with the win. Do you have a score you want to attach to that? Oh, oh, let me think. Uh, I'm going to go 35-24, Edinburgh. How about you, Gabe? 
Fifty nothing Edinburgh. Way <laughs> <laughs> wow. to take the homer. <laughs> I'm confident. No, you know what? I think the key for this is if Edinburgh can get out early mm-hmm. and get up early, like they did uh, last week. Now, granted, St. Joe's kind of battled their way back into it, but I believe this is a team in Lockhaven that if Edinburgh gets up early, they can really extend the lead and kind of step on the throat a bit. If that happens, I'm thinking probably more along the line, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 points for Burrow. And with the way this defense is, I, I really don't see Lockhaven getting anywhere near 20 points. So maybe 40-14 at best. And that's just if – and I think the two scoring plays by uh, Lockhaven is probably going to be like on a slash slot receiver cutting through the middle – and he just happens to break one free on the run. I, that's the only way I see them scoring. I don't think, I don't think that Lockhaven has enough horses to run against this defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, I think going to the outside, running outside the numbers routes, go routes like that. I think Edinburgh's uh, corners can cover those. I I just worry about the middle of the field with the slashing tight end or a slot receiver. Yeah, if if they can mess with the quarterback's head early with that dominant front revolving door of a line that they had last week and I use revolving door in a good way not usually the bad way um but like they they can switch in and still have the same amount of of consistency for that team and that is something that is great to have depth wise for your team so I think if they can do what they did if they can mess with with uh the quarterback of Lockhaven I think they, they're set up for success. Yeah, because I think that their their quarterback, Caleb Walton, is really going to get to know intimately our defensive line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's going to meet Kibby on several different occasions, along mm-hmm. with Shansky, along with uh, Hudson, all those dudes. Yeah, so, we, I, yeah. yeah we just they're going to be about Facebook the, friends uh, by the time the end of the game is <laughs> over, I'm telling you. So, it's going to be definitely a real test for the Edinburgh secondary. After one week, the Lockhaven Bald Eagles are con- are tenth in passing in the country right now. Granted, we've only had one game. All right, we're gonna hit our first break. When we come back, we'll switch gears and talk about Edinburgh soccer and their two games that they have this weekend. You don't want to miss that. Stay right here. You're listening to the morning after here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. And we are back here on the morning after. We are now switching gears and talking about the other sport that is taking place this weekend. And that is the soccer team traveling, making their uh, frequent bus rider miles, going out to Shippensburg and Millersville back-to-back days of away contests. The ladies started off the year with two home wins. They're 2-0 and on the year, one of them being a PSAC contest. So I'll ask you guys. We are four wide here. We have Tubby down on the end. We have Jules. We have Gabe and myself. I'm Drew Patrick. Talking Edinburgh soccer. So what are the keys for this weekend? Well, just like the last few games, you have your standout players uh, like Alex Brown, who gets a lot of shots on goal. She scores a lot of goals. Uh, so keeping up with the strikers, the offense, 
getting a lot of shots. Last week we had 18 shots there too. But going from that, the biggest thing that we've done so far is limit the shots. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't get shots, you can't win the game. And so if our defense keeps up with uh, the low shot to total and makes our goalie's day easy, uh, that's an obvious key for the win. Yeah, and we, we had a chance to speak with Coach uh, Gary Kagiavis on the Scott Sports Show, which is up on Edinburgh now if you want to check that out. And he said, you know what, th the thing that concerns him is both Shippensburg and Millersville have larger fields than we do. So it's, it's a little difficult to, to get practiced for that, and they're going to have to spread out their defense. So we're going to have to rely on the speed of a pretty thin team. He, he said that the team is not as, as uh, full as it should be or as it could have been for a lot of people not coming out for different reasons. So it's going to be interesting to see the conditioning of this team and and how good they can spread the field and how they can run around because if a team like Shippensburg or Millersville, they start rotating in new ladies to Edinburgh's pretty thin roster, it, it can conditioning is going to come into play. Yeah, I... Again, you know, I'm looking right now, I'm looking up Shippensburg's team and who to watch for on that team. They they have they score from very like different ways. It's not always the same people scoring. So here's a couple of names you want to look out for and that the ladies probably need to shut down. Paige Harris, uh, Lexi Albert, Tori Mills, and Beth McGee. Um, they they're a lot like these two teams are a lot alike. And that Edinburgh likes to get more shots off. Shippensburg likes to get a lot of shots off. Both teams try to contain the ball at the opposite end of the field. So if the ball's never in your field, you're not getting a whole lot of shots. Um, in their home opener against uh, it's Chicago, a Chestnut Hill is the name of the school. Um, Shippensburg won that one easily in a four to nothing contest. Shippensburg had 27 shots on goal, uh, where Chestnut Hill only had three. Um, 15 shots on goal to one shot on goal. Um, 11 saves to one. That's because they didn't get that many shots, so the goalie didn't have to work so hard. Um, but Shippensburg does make a lot of fouls. They were fouled 11 times. So. Again, this isn't like a, I don't, they're not that big of a juggernaut, but if if our Edinburgh ladies can play clean ball, can uh, force the issue and play their style of soccer, I, I don't think there's a reason why we couldn't come away with this win. Mm -hmm. Back to what, what Coach said uh, and about practicing for these games, he, he said, you know what, we have to practice for the first team and put in occasionally – some things about the second team. So this team is all set and all ready for Shippensburg. However, the Millersville contest could be a question mark. Coach said, look, in, in realistically, we could be better than both of these teams. However, we might not beat both of these teams due to the travel and due to the conditioning and due to the thin roster. And all these things that, that come together, 
it's going to be a challenge for the the ladies to come out with two victories against these two teams. And those are coaches' words. Those aren't my own. Yeah, and I would definitely agree with that because, I mean, judging by the polls for the preseason, which are getting more and more inaccurate as we move on, like how Edinburgh is already ranked 15th in the country for Division Two, but you have Bloomsburg, uh, who is ranked – oh, I'm sorry, Shippensburg, who is ranked 7th to finish in the PSAC – which you have Edinburgh finishing sixth. So they're right around the same, but then you have Millersville, who are playing on the 10th. They are ranked 12th. No, they're ranked 14th, I'm sorry. And so they're both obviously teams that they're, they should be better than they should beat. If it was played at, in, in Edinburgh, maybe a couple days apart, I think it would be, we would be feeling pretty good about these games. Mm-hmm. But playing back-to-back on the road both days with bigger fields, as you were saying, is going to be... A tax, a task. Yeah, and you know what? The the rankings really confuse me, to be honest with you, especially in Division Two to soccer. Uh, Edinburgh and East Stroudsburg are the only teams currently in the rankings. East Stroudsburg is all the way up there at fifth in the country, and Edinburgh is fifteenth. But yeah, you mentioned the coaches poll; they had Edinburgh finishing sixth in the PSAC. So rankings are what they are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're never consistent. Um, you know, it's just going to be – it's going to be a testament to how well-conditioned this team is. I, I, I keep saying that, but I think that is really the, the factor of these games. They're going to be tired after the first game. And if they lose that first game, it's going to be a demoralizing second game as not only are they tired – but now they feel they have to get a win with being tired. It is very important for this stretch to get a win in that first game because I feel like if they lose that first game, they will lose the second game. If they win that first game, they have a very good chance to possibly win both games. I mean, these ladies have put it down on the line, too. This is essentially a lot of them are returning from last season, so... It's essentially the same team and the same mentality, and I think that that, that hard-nosed mentality of playing back-to-back, I mean, these girls have done this before. This isn't, isn't like something new, like, oh, my goodness, what are they doing? I mean, they, they know how to prepare, and I think they're bringing along the younger players as well mentally. And um, I believe Shannon mentioned it when we interviewed her on the Scott Sports Show, you know, the girls really play for each other, and they have a, um, a good – Bonding, ex- like they go through bonding exercises and do a lot of group activities on and off the field. So I think if they keep that mentality, they keep that squad goals. <laughs> I guess I know I'm trying to be hip again, aren't I? Oh man! All right. Well, anyway, if they can keep that squad together and keep that squad mentality, they'll be fine. Yeah, and if if Alex Brown can continue to be Alex Brown, she's been great since the end of last year when she really just showed up and was very great so if they can continue to to do as as well as they've they've started this year I think you know if they can squeak out a win here so prediction time (laughs) what do you think the Edinburgh ladies soccer team does for these games I'm going to start all the way down on the end with Tubby 
I think, honestly, I think Edinburgh pulls this one out 2-1. I think, I think Shippensburg does get a goal in there. But I, I believe in the play of our keepers. I think our keepers are excellent keepers. And our defense is solid. I, I think we pull it out 2-1. to one. And then what does that translate to for game two? I think game two, uh, I, I, again, I think it's going to be another low-scoring game. So I think it'll be 1-0. And I'm not sure which side. Mm-hmm. I want to say Burrow just because <laughs> they pay the bills. But I, I don't know for sure. Uh-huh. So I, 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 I'm fairly confident the score's going to be 1-0. I just don't know mm-hmm. who's going to be the victor out of that. All right, and um, like Gabe said, their rankings are pretty close. Six, six, Edinburgh comes in at six, and um, what is it? Shippensburg comes in at seven. I believe it's going to be a close game. Um, like Tubby said, it's probably going to be, you know, I'm going to agree with you, two to one or maybe one zero um, Edinburgh. And for the second game, I, I believe it's going to be. Mm, I'd say three to one Edinburgh for the second game, just because Edinburgh's ranked six and Bloomsburg, I believe it is. Millersville. Mill- Mill- okay, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, they're ranked 14th, so we'll see. Um, I, I believe they're both going to be close games, so let's go Burrow. Now, I think if they're going to drop one, I think they're going to drop the first game at Shippensburg. I think that's the most dangerous game, and I think the Millersville is a game that's. It's going to be close, obviously, but I think the Millersville game, we might pull that one out much more likely than Shippensburg. So I'm going to say possible loss at Shippensburg, but then we make up for it and get back on track on the 10th at Millersville. I think, you know, we've been practicing for Shippensburg all week with Millersville thrown in there. That's what Coach Gary Kagiava said. Maybe I'm putting too much on coach but I believe though they're going to be ready for that game I'm going to say a 3-1 victory for Edinburgh however I think that's going to really tire out this team to get a 3-1 victory and I think despite being better than Millersville on paper I think they drop that game one to nothing the PSAC is one of the toughest conferences in in all of of college soccer, so I think you know any given day for a lot of these teams. So I think a one nil loss to Millersville after a three one victory to Ship. And a one one for these next two days, going one and one is not a bad thing. You don't got to win all of your games; you just got to win most of them. So yeah, I mean, if we can if we can come out of this weekend one and one, I think that's a victory for for Edinburgh. All right, we're going to hit our second break. When we come back, we have Edinburgh alums in the news here down in Rio. We mentioned the Paralympics are going on. We will tell you more about an Edinburgh alum who's making some waves down in Rio. Also, we'll talk briefly about football starting last night. Football started and how we're all incorrect here on (laughs) The morning after. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Morning After here on 88.9 WFSC Fighting Scots Radio. And we are back here on The Morning After. I'm Drew alongside Gabe, Jules, and Tubby. We have a full house here today. 
Edinburgh is in the news. Uh, an alum is playing down in Rio at the Olympics, the Paralympics. Trevon Jennifer, former of the wheelchair basketball team here on campus, is playing for Team USA down in Rio for the Paralympic Games. They defeated Brazil 75-38 to in their opening game. And Jennifer had six points. So good on you, Jennifer. Congratulations on making the Olympic team and, and doing fairly well for the team. And I, I feel like the U.S. Paralympic basketball is going to be just like the, the Olympic basketball team. They're dominant everywhere around. And I think, I think we'll see them uh, come away with a gold medal. Yeah, I mean, 75 to 38, that's... <laughs> I don't think they're sweating at all during that game. Probably not. They actually played earlier today. We we don't have the score of that up, but they played at 8.30 a.m. They play the next four days before getting into semifinal, quarterfinal action. So best of luck to you guys down in Rio, the Paralympic wheelchair basketball team and all the Paralympians down there right now. Best of luck to you, and it's it's cool to see an Edinburgh Fighting Scott down in Rio. Yeah. So now let's go. Last night, football started. Actual, real-life NFL football, not preseason. And it was a game against teams that uh, the last time we saw real, actual football, we saw these teams play each other. Denver and Carolina. And Denver... They squeak out the win in this one, 21-20. Just goes to show you that Drew, Gabe, and I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I tweeted something out last night because I realized we're all bashing Trevor Simeon right now, and we all seem to have forgotten that Denver still has a great defense and Denver went to the Super Bowl with a Peyton Manning who was probably as good as Trevor Simeon is last year. Maybe. Maybe so, as good. I mean, we forget about that. And then Cam got rattled this this game, especially towards the end of the game. He took a hit to the head. And this was this was a fun game to watch. Carolina got up early, but then... There's something about that Denver air, or lack thereof, that, that you know what, oh, teams not from Denver tend to struggle in Denver. Denver is a dangerous home field advantage for that team. Yeah, I know when the Steelers used to play there, especially in that playoff game that they had a few years ago mm -hmm. against uh, Tebow time, <laughs> uh, they had a few players that had to sit out. I think it was Ike Taylor who can never play in Denver just because of problems he has. There's pretty much just no air up there. And so, like you were saying, it's just a really hard place to get a win. But, I mean, congrats to Denver for proving us wrong and proving a lot of people wrong. I, mean, I hate Denver. <laughs> I hate Denver. I hate Elway. But I, I should have known better than to count them out, especially when they were behind. If I look back at my childhood, there's the fumble and there's the drive both of which happened against Elway's stupid Broncos. 
and their willingness to usually find a way to win. I feel now, like I'm not bitter or anything. Broncos is a trigger <laughs> word for uh, Tubby. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. So yeah, and that's pretty much all I can say about that without mm-hmm. getting any FCC fines or. Um, us in trouble. I so, was imp- leave it at that. I was impressed with how Trevor Simeon ran the offense, especially late in the fourth quarter. He looked confident and competent late in the game. And I, I think, you know what, if he can develop like he should, I think they'll have a real weapon at quarterback. He's not going to be at the top of anyone's list of best quarterbacks in the league. No. And again, anytime soon. All you have to do with a defense that good is just not lose the game as a quarterback. We talked about granted this is the team that released Mark Sanchez, but we talk about Mark Sanchez's first 2 years with the Jets and how they got to the AFC Championship game because that defense was so good for the Jets. There are echoes of that with this team that Trevor Simeon doesn't have to be on his his best game ever to get a victory for this Broncos team because they have such a good defense with with Ware and Miller still being as as good as they are. DeMarcus Ware had one and a half sacks. Miller had a sack late in the game that really drove Cam back. But you know this this team is capable of of doing very well this year, despite not having the quarterback we all thought they were going to have. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't get to watch the game last night. I don't know if anybody else had their power out, but so I kind of just had to watch the highlights and read up on it after. But I mean, it a comeback win for the Broncos. I mean, they were down seventeen to seven. Simeon pulled uh, Tim Tebow, <laughs> and he didn't have a great game. But I mean, if all he does is win, then that's all you really need. And so, carried by the defense a little, but and also a missed field goal at the end. I know it's 50 yards, but... You know, this the end of the game was very interesting. Uh, Carolina was driving. They, they set up to do a 56-yard field goal. They were running. They had to burn a timeout on a lost track of the play clock and had to burn their last timeout. But then they get a couple yards there, and with nine seconds left on the clock that Collinsworth and Al Michaels who were on the call were saying that you know what you have to kill some time so what you should do is take the snap and just throw it out of bounds like run backwards for like a couple seconds and then throw out of bounds to kill that time because you don't have any timeouts and you don't have time to run a play but instead Cam fires it towards the sideline and Ted Ginn makes this incredible diving catch for it to get them those six yards. The first kick that Graham Gano kicks goes through the uprights, goes off the upright and in. But, of course, Gary Kubiak had a timeout, called the timeout, iced the kicker. They kick again from the 50 yards and this one just hooks on him. He overcorrected, trying to avoid that hitting the upright again and overcorrected too much and that's that's how it goes sometimes for, for not kickers. for nothing. But do you know where Ted Ginn's from? Yes, I do. Okay, my team drafted him. You forget that. Okay, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to the mecca. That's what I'm saying. And I mean, I think that's kind of one of the most annoying things. You have 60 minutes of guys just playing hard, playing all mm-hmm. hard, 
and just slugging the entire time. Then it comes down to a kicker who had hadn't played the entire game. I mean, I think kicking's I, I me personally, I think it's one of the worst parts of football. But I mean, you have to have it. But just no, here's the point: it's just like it's just like UFC. It's just like boxing. Okay, if you're unsure of your kicker. Play the game in such a way that you don't leave it in the kicker's hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to win the fight, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Knock the silly sucker out. That's all you have to do. And, you know, Graham Gonneau, he has been a reliable kicker for out, throughout his career. So it was, it was interesting to see him hook this one at the end of the game and let it all get to him. And especially kicking in Denver... It's where uh, the air is nice, and, and kickers usually get longer distance. The longest kick, which has been tied like four times, of 64 yards was kicked. One of them was kicked in Denver. So <coughs> it's a very capable place for a kicker. He just it got into his head. Good job on Gary Kubiak for uh, icing the kicker. Usually we make fun of icing the kicker, but it worked. Um, what's the Ravens kicker's name? What's the really good kicker? I, I can't remember his name at the moment, but anyway, I remember a story during the off season, um, him being kind of arrogant saying, if I was in Denver, I would never miss a field goal. I could kick 60 yarders like they were nothing. And so Denver's kicker actually invited him out there, offered to pay for his travel, pay for his hotel room, pay for everything. And was like, I'll kick with you. You just got to let me film it and <laughs> say what happened. And I never never saw anything come up out of that, so so it should have been it's a great place to kick. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like it's unfortunate. I wanted to see the Panthers come out with the win. And mostly because, you know, Denver won the Super Bowl last year and they beat my Steelers getting there. So I I just I did not want to see them win this first game, but I mean it is what it is. We'll we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I think this is what I get for saying that Cam Newton's going to dab on them fools. Had I not tried to be so cool yesterday and so hip, maybe this would have had a different outcome. So I, I, I'll take this one. This one's on Tubby. My bad. My bad, y'all. It's all Tubby's fault. If you're a Carolina <laughs> Panther fan, send Tubby your angry tweets yeah. at G Tubby Schmidt. Uh, blame him for the loss. Your boy, your former punter, had a had a decent. Decent game. Had himself a day. Didn't Had him, uh, he's also the holder, so a lot of the blame for that missed kick could be on former Brown punter traded for a fourth-round pick, Andy Lee. I, I love how, like, when he was on the Browns, he was just a punter. But now all of a sudden that he's been traded away for a fourth-round pick, he's a once-in-a-generation punter. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you real right now? That's what happens when you... Uh, that just leave happened. the Browns. You become a once in a generation player. Okay. So any okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop there before I choke you. <laughs> so we have some time left here on the morning after. So this weekend for college football has a couple of big games, um, including a rivalry. If if you're from this area or from this state, that is a rivalry being renewed that a lot of people are interested in. Down in Heinz Field, there's going to be a game between the Pitt Panthers and the Penn State Nittany Lions, a rivalry that if you went to school in the the 80s and 90s, this is a rivalry that that you are super excited is back. 
I know my parents, who are both alumni from the 80s, from the glory days of Penn State football, are excited about this game. My dad actually bought season tickets of Pitt because they were cheaper than the one game. So they have Pitt season tickets because the season tickets were cheaper than the one game for the the Penn State game. So, you know, this is a game that's going to get a lot of attention around the country and local interest. Of course, James Conner for Pitt on his comeback tour had two touchdowns last week. He's a, uh, I think, McLean graduate. Of course, he battled cancer over the offseason, and it's incredible to see him back on the field, not only just back on the field, but contributing and being successful. So there are a lot of storylines in this game. I want to ask around the board, though, who you got? Um, I'm not sure who I get. I'm not even sure who I'm rooting for. I don't know much about the two teams. I like James Conner. I don't like Pitt, but I like James Conner. I don't really care for Penn State, but I think Penn State pulls this one out. They had a good week last week. Um, Final score, I have them winning by 10 points. Okay. Um, Like Gabe said, I I don't really keep my eyes open for college football. I'm more of an NFL fan, but – my sister actually went to Pitt, so if anything, I am a Pitt fan. Um, she's a huge Pitt fan, so she she kind of got me on that. And I, I want I want to see Pitt come out with a win rather than Penn State. Um, I'm gonna go with a ooh, let, let's go with a 14-10 Pitt. Tubby, I being of a certain age, I remember this rivalry from back in the day. I also remember being on both campuses. But, well, okay, I sort of remember being back on both campuses as I've had friends who have attended both universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and me being in the middle, being the Ohio State kid that I am. Uh, honestly, I, I think I'm going to go with Drew and Drew's mom and dad here. I think Penn State's going to pull this one out. I don't think that Pitt has enough tools. Are they not? Are they still in the ACC? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ACC is such a weak. Just I mean, outside of Florida State, it's like stupid. Florida State and Clemson are the. the I mean, the, their side, the side pit is on the Atlantic. I, I think they have a tougher side, but it's it's all mixed in there. Yeah, it's dumb. So I I honestly think I think Pitt Pitt tries real hard and, and puts up a good fight at home, but Penn State is just too much for them. At the end. There's a lot of things in this game. A, I don't feel I should answer because I'll blatantly, openly say I'm rooting for Penn State due to the family connection. Um, But this game's going to be interesting because I want James Conner to be successful. I want him to have a good game as a Penn State lifer because I've been to a lot of games. My parents have season tickets, so I'm not going to answer this question because I'm rooting for Penn State in this game. But it's going to be interesting because there are a lot of Penn State fans traveling to this game. And this game might feel like a home game right, for Penn State due to the fans. I mean, Penn State fans are known for traveling anyway. They're ridiculous when it comes to they'll travel anywhere to watch their team play. But I think the fact that, that this rivalry is renewed and is what it is, especially both teams are approaching it a different way. 
Coach Narduzzi of Pitt, he wants this game bad because he's tired of Penn State being Penn State, being the state school that it is. And Penn State, they, they are a young team, so they just want, you know, they're going for the cliche, oh, it's just another game. Because back in the day, Pitt used to be a juggernaut. And this is more, this comes down to more of like not only bragging rights within the state, but it also comes down to recruiting. <laughs> You know, I mean, if you're pit, if you're pit and you go up and you steal this one one away from Big Bad Penn State, whoo! I think you know what Penn State needs this one too. They lost to Temple last year. Remember, that was a, a huge loss in the state of Pennsylvania. Penn State wants this one. I'm not going to answer who's going to win because I'm openly rooting for one of the teams and I don't want to be a homer. Uh, so it, it's going to be a fun game. That game is at noon. However, instead of watching that game, you can put that game on silent while watching it, but you should be listening to Tubby and I on the call this weekend. Edinburgh travels to Lock Haven. We have the call for you. That kick is at noon, so we will be on the air at 11.45. So you don't want to miss that. Tune into that this weekend. You can watch the Penn State game, but put it on silent. Listen to us. So thank you guys so much for joining us here today on the morning after. And we hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. If you have a 10 o'clock class, you better go now because you have a minute to get there. Thank you all so much. You're listening to 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio.